0: From Skywalker Ranch in Marin County, California, welcome to the inside. Tucked away on 6,000 acres just north of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, George Lucas's Skywalker Ranch this week opened its doors to 50 of the top leaders from various segments of the media and entertainment industry from Hollywood and Silicon Valley. They've been discussing the future of movies and technology. This past week brought the news that Facebook would change its name to Meta. Mark Zuckerberg said the move was made to better focus Facebook's energy into a future where we will all gather together virtually to conveniently meet, do business, attend concerts and theater and activities all in new virtual worlds. The Metaverse and Omniverse were very much a part of the discussions here. I am Jim Chabin, and with me is Wim Byens. He serves as CEO of Cenionic and joins me here at Skywalker Ranch. Wim, uh, quite a week we've had.
1: Yeah, absolutely, you know, it's been it's been fantastic, right? First of all, it's great to be face to face, right? So that's yes. a podcast we can do face to face, which is great. But it's been a, it's been a fantastic treat, I think, the last two days with top executives speaking very candidly, what's on top of their minds, what's important to the industry. Where does the industry stand, right? To start with that? And what are the interesting challenges ahead of us, which I think we all can create a better and stronger industry from? So
0: I was struck by the fact that we seem to hear one, there is a supply chain issue in the in the machinery that, that drives our industry. There is a supply chain challenge in the human capital of the people to operate that because the industry is so robust in its mission to create all the content to feed all of these streaming and 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 cinema houses what were your takeaways?
1: No, it, it's an interesting combination because on one hand, people said, well, the cinemas has been down, right, for quite a while during COVID. But on the other hand, behind the scenes, the content creation has been booming, right? And to your point, uh, where do we miss people specifically there? And then on technology side, yes, there's been supply chain challenges uh, there with the chips and so on. So I think it, it's been interesting to see that the content creation is doing great because in the end, that content needs to go out, right? It needs to be seen somewhere. And as long as the content creation turns at, at in full motion, I think, uh, especially with all the, the special effects, which then drives a lot of the, you know, processing power, which is needed, which I think was also a theme uh, we heard clearly here this, this couple of days, then it has to get out. And if it goes via streaming or cinema, you know, the different options, but also a lot of the content I could hear is made for being seen in movie theater, which, you know, I'm definitely delighted about it.
0: I am struck by the comment that someone made. We all make movies and, and programs for streaming, but we're all technology companies now.
1: Jim, our guest today is one of the industry's true experts in the future of technology in media and entertainment. Bob Petty serves as vice president and general manager of NVIDIA Enterprise Visualization. In that role, he helps creative teams leverage computing power to tell their stories more powerful, he has been with us in Skywalker range these last two days to talk about the future of technology. Bob, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. On uh, behalf of NVIDIA, we're we're all happy to be here.
2: Great, great,
0: Thank especially you. in person. Thank you. Yes, it's that's nice right. To see yeah. a human being.
1: So first of all, we would like to get your take on the current buzz around Metaverse. It has been a lot of talks about Facebook commitments to Metaverse since their announcements. And it also follows similar conversations in the recent months there. Could you describe what Metaverse is, how you see it better, and uh, what should creators and technology, uh, technology people think about it? Absolutely, uh, great question. You
2: know, the, the Metaverse, um, from an explanation, might be different than my, my view of what the future of collaboration and create creativity and distributed computing might be. But the Metaverse, in general, is meant to be a better internet. It's meant to be a 3D virtual augmented way for people to co- collaborate, communicate. In, in some aspects, that'll be like living in a game environment. Um, and you'll have digital avatars of yourself. Uh, you'll conduct meetings in that, in that virtual world. And uh, we at NVIDIA believe that what we need to enable is something that improves the physical world as well, that you use the virtual world to make a better physical world, And so it's all about digital twins. Your digital human is something that you can use to improve your techniques in surgery or in the design of a car, in improving the way you make a film. But it should translate back into the physical world. So the metaverse is a lot of things to uh, different people. It all involves uh, immersive reality. There will be an economy. Uh, New gig economy will be people that will be selling their wares for people's avatars in the metaverse. We would rather use it to improve how we make our planes, trains, automobiles, homes, communities, how we solve problems of global warming, how we handle catastrophes, how we train surgeons, um, how we uh, interact with each other to improve collaboration, uh, especially if you're across distance. But at the end of the day, um, for us, it's about digital twins.
0: When you think of, creative uses what inspires you what what notion of this How, what's a use case that you could describe
2: to our listeners that they would understand that you, that excites you for me it's just about being able to be more productive regardless of the use case if i can save a filmmaker hundreds of hours of time because they can see they can see what their virtual characters are going to look like on the same space as their physical human beings, if I can easily modify sets without actually having to build something, if I can uh, improve the design of a car, if I can improve the design of a city. So it's not so much about a use case, but about how they're used. Yes, there will be games that people play in the metaverse. But for us, really, it's about helping people be more productive and more communicative.
1: Over the last two years, many creative companies have discovered that their people can be more productive or better, very productive by working from home. Were you surprised about how that's been turning out and how do you see the future on this one, especially with the ideas you have around Omniverse?
2: Yeah, so uh, the pandemic helped reinforce the need for remote work, and remote collaboration. Uh, And that directly impacts Omniverse. In order for a a small group of, say, four or five designers, whether they're working on a a film or um, architects working on a building, in some cases they'll have physical workstations in front of them. But if those five architects are spread around the world, I have to deliver a real-time view of what they're all working on. And as they each make changes to it, thousands of miles apart, they want to see those changes made in real time. Uh, So Omniverse is a perfect setup for what's been established as the need to enable people to work remotely, deploying compute resources further towards the edge. And so I think uh, Omniverse will do more to show uh, not just the film industry, but other other industries, how productive people can be by working remotely.
1: So do I hear you saying is that even what we have learn to accept or learn from COVID with working from home That's even going to be accelerated and people more going to work at home? Is that your I, I believe
2: so be, because, uh, you know, today it's uh, while I can deliver a workstation to you virtually with the same kind of latency that you'd expect, even if you're using a, you know, a Wacom or a Cintiq, you jump on a teleconference or a web conference and it's still hard to communicate with people. You can hear each other's talking, but you can't necessarily kind of, you know, that has to be a very small group in order to be effective. So Omniverse will bring more reality to what they do. The other step that that will happen, uh, that is happening, is what we're working on in terms of the human collaboration. The ability for these web conferencing tools to accurately represent people, to, to take care of the lighting and the different cameras and the different machines they may be, be using, using AI to correct your gaze awareness so you're not when i'm looking at you even though you may be looking at the screen it looks to me like you're looking in my eyes mm. right and that's just by t- using ai to adjust yeah. just that so those those things are happening at the same time and so as we improve the way people can communicate and it seems like we're more real all of that is going to accelerate the need and the acceptance of working remotely
0: virtual reality was a technology that people were pretty excited about a few years ago i think Maybe a lot of us felt that the technology wasn't quite ready. Uh, you know, early adopters understand the potential. Where do you stand? And Is that a tool in the omniverse or the
2: the metaverse? Where where are we with that? VR is is part of the omniverse, and the problem with VR today. So I, I've been doing virtual reality for thirty years. You know, the advent of Oculus and, and lower priced HMDs it came down to the masses, but it's still it's still awkward, you know. I can't pick up this bottle of water in front of me if I had a VR headset on, unless it had cameras shining through it. Um, AR is where things will be, where I can see you, Jim, and see an object that's not here, but it's virtually being displayed to my my glasses. That's when it'll really take hold, when you can combine the physical and the virtual so that people know when I'm looking at something, they see where I'm looking. When I'm pointing at something, they see where I'm pointing. Something that you only typically get in a physical environment like like this room will now be possible in the metaverse.
0: Do you have a year in mind that you think by this year, this will be a part of our lives and we'll all be relatively comfortable with it? You know, It took a year or two to get used to the Apple Watch. Well, now everyone Thinks of it as a very common
2: thing. Do you have a Do you have a year in mind? Yeah, predictions are, are, are tough things to make, but the the pandemic accelerated what I would have said probably two years ago, just because you know grandmas and grandpas got used to FaceTiming and Zooming and Teamsing, and uh, if they could have seen a three D representation of their baby, uh, they would have been. That's interesting. To put so on you're saying
0: set. actually the fact that we all had to Zoom really kind of set up. The value case for why we might want to meet in person.
2: Yeah, it, and you know the, the problem with any any video conferencing solution, you're looking at your camera, you're looking at your screen. If you've got you know a Brady Bunch view of pictures, who, who are you talking to? It's kind of hard to hard to tell different lighting and different everything. It's actually tough on the eyes and tough on the brain. You get you get video conferencing fatigue. But even in a one to one scenario, you know seeing a video of your daughter uh, or your son holding their newborn. Is not quite the same as being a 3D digital human in the metaverse with your 3D digital human of your newborn granddaughter, grandson, right? And so I do think it'll be more rapidly adopted because of these real-world uh, needs to to communicate across distance. You know, there's a reason why people need to look each other in the eye and shake each other's hands, and maybe that's. Shaking hands is no longer a thing after the pandemic, but looking each other in the eyes is.
0: Let's take a break. We're talking with Bob Petty from NVIDIA. We'll be right back.
2: The Insiders is proudly presented by Cineonic. Cineonic's future-ready enhanced services and technology solutions provide compelling cinema experiences, peace of mind, and financial flexibility. Today, with more than 95,000 projectors installed globally, cinemas around the world trust laser projection by Cineonic to power the next generation of movie going. Visit cineonic.com today and discover why theaters look to Cineonic to provide the solutions of tomorrow today.
0: Our guest insider today is Bob Petty from
1: NVIDIA. So, Bob, new expansions in how we will use and harness technology are going to require increasingly powerful processes. Yet we are hearing from many of the manufacturers, there are ship shortages, supply chain is challenged. NVIDIA is in the ship business, right? I think that's one of the core things you guys do. What is happening there? And and what is the outlook? Uh, What are the challenges we are facing there?
2: Yeah, the... uh you know, the effects of the pandemic and factory shutdowns put a, a long lasting effect on the supply chain. So the, the chip shortage is real and it's, it's not just CPU or GPU, it's, it's capacitors and transistors that are on boards that go into automobiles, printers, uh, AV equipment. You're feeling that today and, you know, unfortunately uh, we'll probably be living with it for the next year. Uh, in the automotive industry, probably recovering sooner than later, in the computing industry, I think we'll be living this, living with this throughout uh, 2022, calendar 2022. But there are a number of ways um, that the industry is is addressing this. Um, compute capacity has to be more achievable, uh, easier to get. Um, so there'll be you know more capacity at uh, at edge devices. There'll be access to cloud, and we've seen workflows change people's reluctance to go to the cloud in, in, in M&E space. As soon as the pandemic hit, well, they went to the cloud. That's where they could get that increased capacity. And then uh, continuing to make the ch- chips that we can do, continue to make those more and more powerful. We're, we're way off of Moore's law. You know, We're no longer getting a doubling every couple of years. We're getting a factor of 10 well, like almost uh, every, every couple of years. So all of that I think will help us uh, stand the storm that we're, we're facing with uh, the, the lack of chips. The other benefit of having this distributed computing model and the ability to get compute from anywhere is that we have a, you know, a labor shortage as well and a skill shortage. And so you can't bring 500 people to a studio and put 500 workstations in front of them, but you probably can get 500 people around the world to access some, enough compute power to work on an art scene, to, to, to do lighting, to, to do rendering and put all that together in a, in a secure way and then and package it later. So in a way, I think it's helped us, it will help us have built a better infrastructure for collaboration and creativity as we move forward. You, you said that
0: Moore's Law, that that now is a, that's conservative, that the power of these chips is getting faster. How fast,
2: and, and where does artificial intelligence come into this? Yeah, so when accelerated computing came about, you know, the CPU was accelerating at the Moore's Law rate. With the highly parallelizable GPU, you know, we were seeing an order of magnitude increase in some applications you know, every, every couple of years. In some cases, we see multiple orders of magnitude. We can do real-time ray tracing today I didn't think we'd be doing it until mid 20s, 2025 to 2030. And it's not because we have chips that do hardware enabled path tracing. It's because we have chips that have AI tensor cores on them. AI accelerated ray tracing, accelerated the ability to do real-time rendering. And AI is accelerating and offloading the CPU to do what it does best. And the beauty of it, AI is essentially software that writes itself and so it's constantly getting better and getting faster. And and so it's it's not just about the hardware that has enabled that, but the software is getting smarter about how it goes about doing it. And that's why you get, instead of this kind of a flat curve with Moore's Law, you're seeing a very steep up and to the right.
0: Does AI change the every aspect of our lives over the next five years?
2: Uh, I think it, it already has. Um, people are used to talking to their phones and their Home pods and and the like, people expect uh, to be able to search for something and get the most accurate view. If you're searching for a particular brand or uh, the like, they they expect that their their car responds the right way. If uh, you know if it's a self parking car, that's all AI driven. It's in many apps today, and it, sometimes it's a recommendation engine. Um, it's being used to accelerate the um, uh, detection of cancer much, much earlier than what a human eye could do. so it's it's a, a force of our life. and the m and e industry, besides accelerating what a designer can do, it it does highly accelerate the aspect of rendering and speed that up dramatically. Like I said, it we were shocked when we applied AI to rendering. We took a, a set of scenes that we were going to render with a variety of public renderers, and we gave periodic snapshots to teach this AI, teach this neural network how rendering works. And we used a set of scenes from Ratatouille to do that. And we got an order of magnitude increase in the performance of rendering. The AI, within 99.5% accuracy, was able to predict the final render of that Ratatouille frame every single time, just with learning what various snapshots were in the process. The part that shocked us? We thought we'd have to do that with every movie. Well, the scene's different. What if it's a you know, war movie? What if it's this or that? We took that same neural network that we used Ratatouille to, change, uh, to train it, and we applied it to completely different movies, movies with different themes and colors, and, and uh, much more, uh, you know, m- more human beings in the act. And the rendering of those scenes was 99.5% accurate. And that blew us away we thought we would have to train it every time you did a new movie with new color you'd have to train it no it it understood how ray tracing worked faster than a human brain could bob we've talked a lot about the technology you talk a lot about
0: the human aspect of all of this what does all this technology mean does it mean fewer workers does it mean more powerful workers what does this mean as far as the human experience of interacting with this technology?
2: Yeah, we we focus on that a lot. AI or or accelerating the how fast somebody can make a product is not about uh, less workers. It's about freeing them up to do even more creative things, to freeing up the time to to innovate uh, or improve their lives. It's not about reducing worker worker capital. It's about making them more productive. If chips you know, ran something a billion times faster than it did yesterday, some people might use that to reduce the size of data centers down to a post-it stamp. But probably what will happen is they'll just take on more projects. They'll take on more ideas. And the other aspect of enabling compute from anywhere and AI to help people be creative is that we can reach people who may never have been able to take a class we can help people become better at what they do. We can help people you know, live their dream of you know, working on a movie set, of, of being a, a creator, a designer, uh, an architect, by giving them the tools in the farthest parts of the earth. So we, we view it as a way. It, it's not about speeding things up to save human capital, because people are always going to be curious. It's allowing them to, to work on more if they so choose to, and at the same time, allowing others access to the technology to improve their lives and uh, become something that they might only have been able to do if they lived in a big city.
1: We talked a lot about different enabling technologies, which will power the blending between the physical and the virtual worlds, uh, like you described it. How do you see entertainment consumption for films to gaming in the future? And where do you think consumers will invest their time and money in?
2: So going to the movies, uh, there's a something about it, you know, that we were releasing movies at the same time on, you know, a network streaming as we were in the theaters. And yep. I always chose the theater, even if I had to wear a mask and I couldn't drink and I couldn't, you know, eat popcorn. There's a something about it. Right. There's something about the elegance of it. Having said that, you know, I'll take a sporting event uh, just so I don't mm-hmm. maybe offend anybody in the m and industry, but I'll come back to m and I would like to not just see the replay uh, at home plate of whether the guy was out or not. I would like to walk around home plate. I would like to be right behind the basket as LeBron James dunks a basketball. I would like to see a movie and not just to pause it or rewind it, but pause it and get into it, get into this virtual world with the movie. And that's the beauty of what things like Omniverse the, the metaverse is trying to build is the interaction that wasn't possible. Uh, that takes nothing away from the producers and the directors that show it in the way that they want. I think it gives them a, a chance to be a lot more creative. I would love, my son's a biggest Star Wars fans, a fan that I know. When I'm a 1,000 miles apart from him, which I am on a regular basis, and the new Star Wars movie came out, I would like to jump into Omniverse Watch Star Wars with him, my digital twin, next to my son, digital twin, next to my newborn grandson, digital twin, all interacting and watching Star Wars, maybe all kind of getting in the middle and, and, and looking around the characters, able to see smile and laughter and excitement. You know, that's that's one thing that's hard to do at a movie, a movie theater, but you enable that with the metaverse. Uh, it's it's very possible. Well, what's exciting about the future of
0: movies is that the brilliance of these young creative minds that are creating these wondrous worlds and, and uh, entertainments could not be doing it if they weren't comfortable and loving the technology that you create. The movies we go to see for a magical Saturday night are very much a product of the technology that you and your teams create. So, Congratulations to you and the team at NVIDIA. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure, and our industry's better off for having you in it, Bob Petty. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Wim. Thank you. As we close our show here at Skywalker Ranch, our quote of the day comes from Yoda. He reminds us all, in a dark place we find ourselves, and a little more knowledge lights our way. Thank you. The Insiders is presented by Cineonic and produced by the Advanced Imaging Society in Hollywood. Our executive producers are Adam Castles in New York and Mike Pilzecker in Los Angeles. Brett Harrison produced today's show, and our technical director is Matthew Bach Lombardo. This is AIS.